0: Give me Jesus. Continue our verse by verse study of 2 Corinthians this morning. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10 and we'll pick it up at verse 7. If you need a Bible, put your hand in the air and the ushers will bring a Bible to you so you can follow with us. You know, as we we look at the church today, and I'm not just talking about archers, I'm talking about the church in general, um, we see a need to be able to know how to determine genuineness in ministry, and thus the title for today's message is Discerning Authenticity in Ministry. There's much going on around us that falls into the category of entertainment Uh, instead of ministry. There's much that could be classified as just false doctrine as well. And so, with that understanding, how do we determine if we what we are doing as a church is solid and has a foundation in the lord well this morning i want to look at how the apostle paul defends himself and the ministry that the lord had called him to as an apostle when others were were coming against him and i think you know in in looking at his defense we can see some of those things that we can we can do and, and understand about our own ministry life and, and where the Lord has us, and and to discern authenticity in our own life and ministry by His responses. So, a little background: Corinth was one of the entertainment hubs of the the Greco-Roman uh, culture, and so this made the the city there in Corinth very susceptible to being misled by false teachers, charismatic personalities, and we, we know that the Corinthians were, were kind of drawn to personality, uh, just by one of the corrections that Paul made in his first letter to the Corinthians when he was dealing with the fact that they, they had divisions and they were aligning themselves with personality. Some were of Paul, some were of uh, uh Peter somewhere of apollos and and so they were they were drawn to a personality and and maybe the style of a person and and so it would be easy for them to be swayed by the entertainment culture that enveloped them and You know today, many Christian leaders have been so captivated by the styles of leadership in politics or in entertainment. that that we've seen that sweep into the life of the church. And uh, we see these secular ways brought in to church life. And so I want to look at Paul's instruction here, but but I think before we get to verse 7, we have to kind of set the whole context by going back to verse 1 and and looking at the beginning of this chapter to catch the flow. In verse 1 it says, Now I... Paul, myself, am pleading with you by meekness and gentleness of Christ, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So Paul is is pleading with the Corinthian believers. His his letter is about to get tough. Remember, we, we talked about last week that chapter 10 to 13 actually takes on a flavor of its own. It's a, a complete change of direction. And, and Paul's going to uh, get tough with some of the things that he says. And, and he brings the rebuke, but he does it with meekness and gentleness. and And that would be the same way that Jesus carried himself when he lived on this earth. Uh, he was meek, and he was gentle and and we need to be careful not to confuse meek with weak because they're they 're two completely different things. Meekness is power under control, and we we recognize that that Jesus had all power he was just keeping it under control and and so he was able to walk in meekness, so it had nothing to do with with being weak. And and so Paul reveals uh, this issue of conflict between him and the detractors, the ones that were were speaking against him and trying to discredit the the authority that he had as an apostle. They said that Paul seemed to be reserved in person, but he was bold in his letters. And so, you know, is this contradictory to be lowly and bold at the same time? i don 't think it 's a contradiction. those who can 't see boldness and lowliness uh, can can be found in the same person don 't know the life of Jesus very well because he was he was walking in humility and in gentleness but yet with all authority at the same time and so so he was able to manifest that that in his character all the time and and so Jesus is a a living example of loneliness and boldness in one person. And now Paul is defending his ministry by saying he has those same characteristics as he's dealing with the Corinthians and their Christ-like characteristics. And then he goes on in verse 3 to 6 and he says, and he defines the, the actual battle. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so, so even though there were these, these men that were coming against Paul and there, there was this, uh, seeming war between him and these, these detractors, Paul is defining that the, the war is actually a spiritual battle. It's not between him and these men. Even though they're a part of the equation, the battle is a spiritual battle and, and we, um, Looked at that last time, and we realized that that if it is a spiritual battle, then we have to fight it in a spiritual realm, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or they 're not fleshly but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds paul says and and i'm not going to reteach that whole study from last week. if you missed it, you can go online and listen to it but but there's a there's a a battlefield that we can actually wage the war where it can be won and and so he he um, sets this as the context for what we're about to pick up in verse 7. So So there's people coming against him. There's a greater war at stake here than just the people. There's a spiritual battle. And then as we keep moving in verse 7, he says, Do you look at the things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him, again, consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Now, Paul deals with the the reality of his authority as an apostle. They, They were attacking not just his ministry, but they were attacking him as a person. And they were looking at his appearance as a person. And and so by by outward appearance, it seems that Paul was truly uninspiring. Um, we we can read a description from a, a, a writing in the early Christian church about the second century that gave a description of Paul, and it said he's a man of small stature, with a bald head, hmm, crooked legs not a crooked smile crooked legs and a good state of body with eyebrows meeting and a nose somewhat hooked so you, i mean you look at that description and it's hardly magnetic in in drawing people to himself with good looks and so they were attacking even how paul looked now paul doesn't say it's wrong to test his credentials as an apostle but the Corinthians were using the wrong test to validate the authenticity of his ministry. They, they were judging only by the outward effects of Paul and how he looked, and you know the fact that when he was among them, he was more timid than his letters, and um, and and so they were they were evaluating things with the wrong evaluation tools. Now, remember his challenge from earlier in the letter, back in chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, he says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are the epistles, you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not only, or not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Now, again, his ministry is being challenged, and, and even his credentials as an apostle are being challenged, and, and the fact that he would have the authority to speak or write these letters and, and speak into the life of the church there in Corinth. And now, remember, in this, in this era, uh, there were people who were traveling preachers and prophets who would go from town to town, and they would, they would share, and, and so, they would take a letter of commendation from a church that they had ministered effectively in, and and you know had the the validation that it was a work of the lord they would take this letter and they would they would go to another city and they'd say you know what i just left uh, troaz and and you know this is the letter of commendation from the church there and and the church would invite that person to speak into the life of their church and 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 so that was a normal thing and it was customary during that time and so paul was saying to the Corinthian church I don't have to have a letter either from you or from somebody else in order to speak into the life of this church I don't need a letter of commendation because you are my letter I started this church when the Lord sent me to the city of Corinth the the gospel that Paul had preached is what launched this church into existence. And so he's saying the fact that you're here and you're gathered together, you're the letter. You're the authentication of my ministry. And, and so there was this mighty work of God as a result of Paul being faithful to his calling and going to Corinth. And there was fruit in the, in the city of Corinth as a result of Paul's Uh, ministry. And so he didn't need a letter from somebody to prove this. They were the letter themselves. So now in our text here back in, in chapter 10, as they're making judgment about his appearance and what they can see, he's basically saying the same thing. He's warning them to be careful about this superficial judgment that you're making about um, the validity of Paul's ministry and, and being able to speak to them. And in fact, he goes on in verse 8 to clarify this. He says, For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. His but his body presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters we are uh, when we are present, such we will also be indeed when we are present. And you know, as they were challenging Paul's authority, saying, you know, his his letters have some weight behind them, but he's kind of a a timid, hook-nosed little guy and kind of unintimidating when he's standing in front of you. Paul assures them, you know what, I'm the same person whether I'm writing a letter or I'm standing in your presence. I have the same authority, I have the same ministry, whether I'm writing or whether I'm present with you. He had all of the authority that the Lord had given him as an apostle to be able to speak right into the life of this church and to bring correction and to bring encouragement. He even says, I wasn't sent there to tear you down. I was sent to build you up and 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 to correct the things that, that were wrong. Now, I don't know that I would like to have been on the end of one of Paul's rebukes because Paul was pretty sound in the things that he brought rebuke to the church. Although Paul's detractors had portrayed him as weak and powerless, he reminds them that God gave him authority in their lives. And those who came against him were now bringing these personal attacks. And you know, it's interesting to me that it seems to go that way when, when people are, you know, angry about something in a ministry. And, and if they can't really deal with the doctrinal stuff that's, that's, you know, going on because maybe they're doctrinally sound, they immediately begin to start personally attacking the people in ministry. I just want to tell you, be careful with that because God will bust you. If if you do that, God will bust you. We had a, a guy that used to fellowship in our church years ago and he got angry with, with one of the, the men in our church and, uh, you know, somebody who's involved in ministry and, and left the church and was obviously uptight. And after several different churches that he landed in, he finally landed in one. He thought this was going to be his church and start attending, you know, some of the smaller group fellowships and ended up in a small men's group at a home. And he chose that to be the platform that he was going to start personally attacking this this guy from our church. But this so happened, the man that owned the home that that little study was in was this guy's father-in-law. And so he names him and he starts just, you know, and this and this and this. And the guys around the table are like, I don't think he knows that this. you know, And, and they're wondering, should we tell him or let him just keep sinking himself or what should we do? But But the point of the story is <laughs> he had no business doing that and God just busted him. I mean, we don't want to turn it into personality attacks. I mean, if you're going to judge a ministry, judge it based on doctrine and biblical positions. Don't base it on personality. And and so Paul defends his ministry uh, there by saying the the ministry was authentic because he was the same whether he was there. Or writing a letter. He was going to be the same. His life wasn't filled with showmanship. It was filled with truth. And in fact, Paul was was not known for being the charismatic speaker. Apollos was the one who is referred to in the scripture as the one that had, you know, the finesse to be able to speak. Um, you know, some some even in in commentaries think that Paul was probably a boring teacher. Maybe a little less enthusiastic in his presentation. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, when Paul was ministering in Troas, he got into one of those lengthy messages. You remember, he went on until midnight. He actually killed a man. That's how boring he was. (laughs) You don't believe me. Acts chapter 20, verse 9, And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, and he was sinking into a deep sleep, he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, fortunately, Paul prayed for him and he, he came back to life. But, but Paul killed a guy with his preaching. I mean, that's 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 pretty intense when you can put somebody to sleep on the third floor and have them fall out of a window. You know, we, we had a guy... Fortunately, you know, today we're all on level ground. You guys don't think I see you, do you? I know when you're asleep. But we had a guy, when, when I was over in field and we had a guy on a midweek service sitting right on the aisle there. And like midway through the study, he just <laughs> fell right into the aisle. Horrible day for him, but everybody else had a kick out of it. But he didn't die. I mean, he was like... He's only, you know, three feet away. Now, at least I get off track and somebody fall out of their chair. Paul's point that he was making is, is don't judge me by what people say about me. Judge my character in the Lord. And, and so this, this begs the question, are we even supposed to judge others? Well, I say yes and no. You can judge that statement and say, the pastor's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. No. There is a yes and no answer to this. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2. He says, judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And, and then he goes on with that familiar analogy of, you know, how can you take a speck out of somebody's eye if you have a tree trunk sticking out of your eye? And, you know, how are you going to do that? And we've all heard that analogy. And, and and, so this would be the no that Jesus is talking about. You wouldn't judge another because you're going to be measured by the same standard that you place that judgment on. And, and, um, you know, I, I think it would be a tough thing. To live under the judgment that I put on other people. I mean, I can be pretty harsh with people, you know. And I, I may not verbalize it, but in my mind, I could I could be judgmental. And Jesus is saying, "Be careful, because you might have to live up to that same measurement." And and so, in in that aspect, as far as a person goes and another person, uh, we we shouldn't judge one another. However, there's a judgment that can be done, and, and this is the one Paul is reflecting on in this, in this chapter, and that's the authenticity of ministry. We, we can judge spiritual or doctrinal positions of people who are ministering in the name of the Lord. And, and so, uh, we do that with the Word of God as our standard, though it's not subjective to Uh, just, you know, what we think about somebody's personality, it's based on a standard that we can measure with, and that's the Word of God. Oh, how we need this back in the life of the church today, that we would, that we would take our opinions back to the Word of God and let the Word form our opinion. See, the opposite was happening in in Corinth. And and so Paul goes on to describe the judgment that was taking place in verse 12. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And so Paul's saying this is a, a false form of measurement that people engage in within church life measuring myself against others the the tendency for people is to do that though we we tend to measure our life against other people's lives Paul wrote it like this to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6 Verses 1 to 4, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And here's the key. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. And and so Paul is, is kind of laying this idea out that we are not supposed to measure how we're doing based on how somebody else is doing, because this is the deal. What we typically do is find somebody doing worse than us, and then we just feel good. We, we settle for where we're at. Or if we want to feel bad, we'll find somebody doing great, and we'll say, oh, you know, I might as well just eat worms and die. And and we start feeling bad because we don't measure up to them. We're not supposed to evaluate ourselves based on what's happening in somebody else's life. We're supposed to evaluate how we are responding to what the Lord is doing in us. Are we obedient to what the Lord is speaking into our life? That's where our measurement goes. And it keeps us from comparing with others. And so this idea... Of, of comparison has personal application as well as a corporate application for us as a church. Now I just explained the personal, but but speaking about discerning authenticity in ministry, it's important for us in our evalu- evaluation to focus on our response to the call of the Lord for our ministry. There's a specific direction that God has given us as a church. And, and so, we can't evaluate how we're doing as a church in comparison to what other churches are doing. We can't, we can't look at it and say, you know, High Desert Church does this, Calvary High Desert does that, the Assembly of God Church does this, the Baptist Church does that, and, and, and think that, you know, because we're, we're not doing everything they're doing somehow, you know, we're missing the mark. It may not be what the Lord wants to do in this in this church. And we can't measure against what's happening in somebody else's calling. If we start chasing after what others are doing, we're going to miss the intent of what God wants us to do as a church. And so that's a false measurement. Now, if this is false or, or the wrong measurement to use, there must be a true measurement that we can use to be able to discern authenticity of the ministry or the life of the ministry that we're involved in. Well, he's going to give the true measurement in this final section, verses 13 to 18. And, and Paul suggests maybe three questions we could ask ourselves as we, we seek to, to measure our life and our ministry by the will of God. Uh, verses 13 and 14, you could ask the question, am I where God wants me to be? Verse 15 to 17, is God glorified by our ministry? Verse 18, can the Lord commend our work? In verse 13 and 14, we read, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appoints us, or appointed us. There there is a specific sphere. In which God appoints us as a sphere, which is a spec, which especially includes you, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. It was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. So let's let's look at this first question. Am I where God wants me to be? Paul's authority to do the ministry that he was doing came from the Lord. But it wasn't unlimited authority. God had a specific calling on Paul's life to do a specific ministry. In Romans 11, Paul writes this in verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am a Gentile, apostle to the Gentiles, and I magnify my ministry. And so, so Paul, narrows it down with the romans and he says i have a specific calling to the gentiles now applying that to what we're reading in corinthians he's saying that that the extension of ministry because he is a an apostle to the gentiles extends to the life of that church in corinth and so so he had a right to be doing what he was doing in their midst and and so that was part of the sphere of authority that that the Lord had given Paul, especially since he started the church when he went there as an apostle and preached the gospel now this this idea of uh, of the limits of ministry may kind of be a better picture in our mind if it were like lanes allotted for runners to run in the the Corinthian Christians would recognize this because they they loved the the famous Ithmian games and, you know, the, the runners on the track. And, and so Paul is basically saying, I'm running in my lane. I'm not running in somebody else's lane. I'm staying in my lane. Folks, we need to get this and understand what Paul is saying. Churches and, and ministers and ministries are not competing with each other, but we're accountable to the call that God has put upon us there's there's not a competition between churches and pastors God's not going to measure you or he's not going to measure me based on the calling he put upon Billy Graham or Charles Stanley I mean they they have a calling from God and they're accountable to live in that calling in the sphere of influence that God has given them and to be faithful to the calling and you and I are to be faithful to that same calling that God has put upon our life. That's where we measure. So that begs the question, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do with my life? Now, this this is such a valid question to be asking where we are right now in the life of our church. And I'm gonna get real personal about this, so I hope, I hope you hear this with the heart that it's intended. In January, we sent Gary Jr. over to Calvary Chapel Victorville and sent him out with, with our blessing and really praying that the Lord is just gonna bless the city of Victorville and the work that he wants to do over there. Well, because he's my son, I, I want him to succeed. I mean, I want the Lord to bless him in every way that he can bless him. But because he's so close to us, there's been some confusion. And and many people have come and shared their confusion. And and so, you know, I thought since this is in the text, I'm going to address it this morning. And and the the thought that many have had is, you know what, we we want to go over there and we want to support Gary Jr. And and yet we still want to be a part of Calvary Chapel Apple Valley. And so, you know, half the time we're going to go to Victorville, half the time we're going to go to Apple Valley. Well, this is this is the problem with that. Both churches suffer when you do that. And Gary and I are good with each other. We're not competing with each other. <laughs> but it hurts both ministries if you don't plug in and serve at one or the other. And and so it's important to ask the question, where am I supposed to be? And then plug in. You see, because each church has a life of its own and a specific direction of its own and a community to reach. And, and so um, by by jumping back and forth, it, it confuses that calling. And it makes both churches less equipped to be able to do what the Lord has called us to do. A second thing is, is you've noticed that we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible and so if you're here part of the time and they're part of the time, he's in another place in the scripture. So you're not going to stay in tune even with what the Lord is speaking into the life of the church. And, and so having that in mind, you have to pray and you have to ask the Lord. And, and I'm good with whatever the Lord decides. Trust me, I, I want Victorville to succeed. But I also want the Lord's will for your life and the life of this church because that's what I'm responsible for. And so Calvary Chapel Apple Valley has a God-given purpose. My calling from the moment I got here in 2007, my, my calling was to equip this church to reach people for Jesus in our community and to the uttermost parts of the earth you read that on your way out those doors every week now, that's not up there by accident that's that's really what i believe the purpose and the calling of this this ministry in apple valley is all about and and so i take serious my challenge from the lord as a pastor it's in ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12 it says and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And and so my my role is to teach and equip all of us for the work of the ministry. I can't do the work of the ministry by myself. It's a, a collective effort by a body of believers who believe they are called to this church And and so if that resonates with your heart and you're saying, yes, I believe that. Well, then this is probably the church you want to plug into. If, If that's something that 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 as I'm saying it, you're saying, yes, that's it. Then obviously the Lord would be saying, you know what? Plug in and be a part of what God is doing in this community and beyond. And if it doesn't, then this is probably not the place you're supposed to be. You're probably like, did that pastor just kick me out of church? No, I didn't. I want you to plug in, but I want you to plug in where God wants you to be. That's where your life is going to be the most effective for the kingdom of God, is by plugging in and being right where the Lord wants you to be, doing what He wants you to be doing. And and so... I can't answer the question. I've even had some people come in and say, well, what do you think? Should I go to Victorville or should I go to Apple Valley? It's like, I can't answer that for you. I can pray for you. I know the one who can answer it. And, and you have to take the emotion out of it and you have to really hear the Lord. And, and once you hear the Lord, plug in and be a part of the life of what's happening and the goal of the ministry. And, and I can tell you that the goal of both ministries is to reach people for Jesus. And and so, however the Lord leads you with that, that's where you plug in. So, let's read on. Verse 15. Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And so the, the second question is, is God glorified by the ministry that's taking place in your life? We don't want to glory in another man's ministry. We want to glory in what the Lord is doing in us, and to see Him glorified. You know, this was a, this was a, another dig that Paul was writing against the detractors that were trying to tear him down. They they were trying to steal the converts that had happened as a result of Paul's ministry, and and so paul would would not boast about another man's work, nor would he invade another man 's territory uh whatever work God did through him uh, he 's saying God alone should receive the glory for it you know I, I can remember years ago hearing Pastor Chuck talk about this. We were at a pastor's conference, and he was talking about this whole idea of you know trying to go after people and, and and such, and you know Costa mesa is a, a pretty big church down in Orange County, and several thousand people attend every week and so you know their parking lot was full every sunday and and one Sunday another church came over to their parking lot and started putting posters on all their windshields, inviting people to come to church and so you know the parking lot crew went out, took them all off and you know, Chuck had this stack of them in his office and, and so that week they called and they said, you know, why don't you take these flyers to the beach <laughs> and, and reach people who aren't saved already instead of trying to pull people who have already been reached in this, in this community here. So when we are where we're supposed to be doing the ministry that we're supposed to do, then and only then will God be glorified through the ministry that we're doing. And that should be the heart's cry of every one of us that God would be glorified through our life. That whatever transpires through me, through you, would glorify him. And so that's a that's a great question to evaluate our own self and, and ministry with is is what I'm doing glorifying God? And then the last question is found in verse 18. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Can the Lord commend your work? That's that's a question that we, we have to evaluate. See, it doesn't matter how I testify about what I do. My own accomplishments or uh, it doesn't even really matter what other people say about what I've done or what you've done. It's what God says about us that will matter and endure on into eternity. You see, any boasting of what I am or what I've done doesn't impress God. I might be able to impress some people for a short time because people are fickle. You know, you can impress them one moment and they will turn on you the next, right? <laughs> that, that's just humanity. And so so we, we may be able to pull it off for a short time. But God isn't impressed. See, a person that exalts himself is trying to draw that attention from men, but it's a a short-lived glory. It's who the Lord commends that matters. And and that should be the primary concern of, of each of our hearts. Is the Lord commending what I'm involving my life in? Is my life acceptable to the Lord? It's not about what I think about myself or what I say about myself. It's really what does the Lord think about me? Am I serving with motives that will honor Him? Motive check is an interesting thing. In 1 Corinthians 3, we we learned this a while back, Verse 12 to 15, it says, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, speaking of the foundation of Christ, Paul's talking about ministry, life and such. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss and he himself will be saved, yet as though or yet as through fire. And and so Paul is, is laying out this idea of when we would stand before the Bema seat judgment and, and all of the things that we have done in ministry life As a believer or judge, they're going to they're going to go through this this judgment of fire and the motive behind what we have done is going to determine whether those actions burn up, whether they were wood, hay and straw, or whether they are gold, silver or precious stones. And and the context tells us that he's talking to believers. It's a judgment that believers will face. And so from salvation forward, everything that you and I do in ministry is going to go through that purification fire to test the motives. Did I do what was done so that people would glorify me? If so, then it'll burn. If I did it with a heart that said, Lord, I want you to be glorified, then the rewards will come for those actions. And so this means Christians can do right things but have the wrong heart. And God will still use that person. This is the deal, folks. God used a donkey. He can glorify himself through anything. And so you can even have bad motives and he can turn men to himself, but your reward evaporates. Only ministry done with true humility will be rewarded. That self-aggrandizing ministry will burn away. You'll be saved. You'll be in heaven, but you just won't get rewarded for those things that were done. So we we let our actions be done in a way that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I mean, that, that should be... The the desire of our heart that when we leave this life, the things that we invested our time and our money and everything that we invest in this life would be for his glory, so that when we stand before the Lord, He'll say, Well done. Doesn't matter what people said about you, it matters what He says. And so discerning authenticity comes down really to evaluating our own life. In our own heart for ministry. The false measurement would be to measure against what other people are doing, other churches are doing. But the true measurement is to truly ask ourselves these questions Am I where God wants me to be? If you are, plug in. You realize there's no spectators in Christianity, right? We don't get to just watch. The church, that fictitious organization, we are the church. And and so if we plug in, that means we're a part of the life and the ministry that God has going in that church. And then we ask, is, is God glorified by the ministry that I'm involved in? Am I doing it for the accolades of people, or do I truly want to see God glorified? And then, can the Lord commend the work that's being done? Will I hear, well done, at the end of it? Difficult questions, but we want authenticity in our lives, right? We we want to be the real deal there's there's too many plastic Christians running around our country pretending but really with no desire to honor god we want we want to be authentic, we want to be the real deal and and so we have to get personal with ourselves in order to do that we We have to ask the hard questions and then respond say lord i you know if there's an area for you to work in these in me Please, Lord, make the adjustments. I I want to glorify you with my life. So, Christian, I would encourage you to search your heart. Adjust where necessary. Plug in. Let's go for it. Man, there's there's, there's a, a world of people out there that need to hear about Jesus. And God has commissioned us as a body of believers to reach them. With the gospel message, many ways to do that that's why there's so many of us, many gifts, one body, working together to advance the kingdom of God through his power, his calling, his equipping and man, I say, watch out <laughs> i mean if we if we get the the flame of this burning in our life. Um, apple valley won't be able to contain us it'll be it'll be the way it's designed to be let's pray lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the power the life-changing power of your word lord we pray as we put this chapter as a template on our lives lord that you would speak to us clearly in these areas Lord, we we want our ministry to be authentic like the Apostle Paul's was. We want to be the real deal, Lord, people that would honor you and glorify you and serve you wholeheartedly. So, Lord, do that work in us. Stir up a passion in us to love you and love your word and to be responsive to your spirit as you work in us, Lord. And, Lord, I pray collectively that we as a church would have a greater effect on our community and beyond for the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.